Believe it or not, the 116th Congress does have other things to do besides wall funding and shutdown prevention. Now they're about to get to do it. Here with a rundown for the next week when they return from recess, Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan, who joins me in studio. And Lauren, in many ways, it sounds as if Congress is really getting underway now because for some of the new members have never had normalcy yet. Exactly. So many of these freshmen who were just elected in November don't know a Congress that doesn't have the shutdown looming over it or actually happening. So it's a new Congress, really, that we're going to see where the parties in both chambers, the Democrats in the House, the Republicans in the Senate, will really start moving towards the things they want to do for the next two years, shaping up their agenda and giving presidential candidates, for example, something to run on when we get closer to that 2020 election. All right. So let's get close to the ground here on the Senate. When they do return, there are a lot of confirmations they've got to get after. What are some of the ones that you expect them to take up when they get back next week? That's going to be a large part of the Senate's portfolio. They have been doing work on this even amid the shutdown and the border talks. We saw Attorney General William Barr get confirmed last week, and now he started his work already. But one of the big ones coming up is EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler. This is someone who's been a deputy, was acting, and is going to be um, have a vote now for the full job to run the EPA. Also waiting in the wings, not yet up for a vote, is Naomi Rao, who was head of OIRA and has been nominated for a um, – actually for Brett Kavanaugh's seat on the D.C. Circuit. So that's another vote and committee we'll be looking at. And so then, OIRA, we should point out, is Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, the White House office, which can be very crucial to the president's any president's regulatory agenda. Right. It's that layer on top of all the regulations. So the individual departments and agencies do it, but they filter up through that part of the Office of Management and Budget. So she's had a big role, but would then have a lifetime appointment on a court. Could set her up for a future bigger court seat as well in the Supreme Court, given how, for example, Brett Kavanaugh moved up to there. Sure. Also waiting in the wings is Interior Secretary. Um, Ryan Zinke obviously resigned last year. Uh, Bernhardt, who's been serving in an acting role, is um, has been nominated by the president. No hearings yet on that, but we'll be looking for those in the coming weeks. So lots of nominations, judicial and executive coming up. IRS? Yes, there's a general counsel, I think, for the IRS who will come up as well next week for a vote on the Senate floor. Something else to watch is Mitch McConnell working with um, James Lankford, an Oklahoma Republican, and Roy Blunt, who's chairman of the Senate Rules Committee. They're looking at cutting down debate time for some nominations. Every time one of these nominees comes to the floor, if the minority party wishes, can delay them and require multiple days just to process these nominations. What they're trying to do is cut back the time after the Senate has agreed, let's cut off debate. Let's go to two hours of debate on some of these less controversial or at least less high-profile nominations. So we'll see if that's a fight that we're going to have in the coming weeks just to allow the majority to speed up what they're doing. And some of the Democrats have gotten behind this green pact with America, if you will. And now the Senate under Mitch McConnell has scheduled it for a vote. I don't think it was intended to be a bill, but more a statement of, I guess, general national objectives. What's his strategy? Because this would affect a lot of federal agencies, I guess, if it ever pieces of it became law. Right. So what was introduced in the House and the Senate were so-called simple resolutions. These are resolutions only meant to stay in that chamber, maybe get a vote, but more of a statement of principles about what this Green New Deal should be. After those resolutions were introduced, there was also this separate FAQ document, frequently asked questions document, that became part of the controversy. People saw things in there that went beyond the text of the resolution that they didn't like about what this could mean 
for you know the transportation sector and, and other parts of the economy that would be affected. What Mitch McConnell has done is take the language from that simple resolution and essentially put it into legislative text. His argument is you could pass this through the Senate, pass this through the House, get it to President Trump. It's a real piece of legislation if you wanted to view it that way. Um, the proponents of the original simple resolution don't like this. They don't like the gambit. They were introducing it as a, a starting point, a position to maybe legislate from in the future, but by no means something they wanted to become law. So we'll see what this vote ends up looking like if Democrats back it at all or step back and say this is just a procedural gambit here and not really about the legislation. And maybe that will be the end of it for now. But the Green New Deal is going to stick around. It's going to be part of the presidential debate and will inform some of the work Congress is doing in the next couple of years. We're speaking with Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And how about on the House side? Well, the House is coming back and they're looking at gun legislation. Uh, H.R. 8 is the number, one of their top 10 bills for this Congress. And what that would do is increase the number of background checks for um, guns, basically. And this is in response to Sandy Hook and to Las Vegas and to all the shootings that they've seen happen over the last few years that they haven't had a chance to have legislation brought up. So now that the Democrats are in control of a chamber of Congress, they're going to use that opportunity to hold a vote in the House. Not sure what's going to happen with that in the Senate. We'll be watching very closely Pat Toomey and Joe Manchin. Several years ago after Sandy Hook, they had a piece of legislation that got close in the Senate but didn't have the necessary support. If they try again, if there's some sort of compromise between what they want and what the House has proposed, there could be something on guns this year. But um, that's always an issue that's fraught because of the groups that line up for and against any legislation. And there was also last week's fatal shooting in which the shooter himself was killed by police, but it turned out he was someone that was not supposed to have a gun legally under the existing law, and yet he had one. Right. So we'll see if that becomes part of the debate or if a separate piece of legislation comes up. But um, guns is certainly one of the things that Democrats have wanted to do something about. What it ends up being in the end, we'll have to see. And meanwhile, there is the 2020 budget looming over all of them. And here we are with only six months to go in the fiscal year. And have they even begun to take up the shape of any of the budget bills? And there's also the return of budget caps. So it seems like a pretty difficult brew that they're going to have to swallow here. Right. I think appropriators are glad to have one week off in between the next set of votes and just finishing the deal that they wrote to re to keep the government open and to fund at least a portion of the president's wishes on the border. But in terms of 2020, we're going to be looking in the next couple of weeks for the president's budget plan, which usually is the curtain raiser on this, then a number of hearings. But as you note, the budget caps for 2020 right now are significantly lower than what we just appropriated for fiscal 19. I think about $126 billion on both the defense and non-defense side total. Um, so Congress is going to want to increase both of those. With Democrats in the driver's seat in the House and Republicans in the Senate, you will see both defense and non-defense go up for sure. But by what amount and you know what they do to offset that increase, that'll be one thing we're watching for. And then the debt limit also comes back into effect in a couple of weeks. Won't have an immediate effect, but by sometime this summer, there will be pressure to either suspend or raise the debt limit so that the government can borrow and continue financing it. So those two issues will quickly come together and be a big driver of debate in the next couple of months. Yeah, so the shoals of a shutdown are still pretty rocky in the next few months. Right. I mean, the fiscal cliff takes many forms. One of it's government funding, but this debt limit thing can be more serious in a way if the government can no longer pay its bills and might have to default on something. So we'll be watching that very closely, as will the markets and, and everyone else. I think on the defense side, the OCO, the Overseas Contingency Operations budget, is going to be something both sides are going to focus on because 
there's been some word that the president would put wall funding in there even, and the military sees that as almost a slush fund because, in theory, overseas operations are on the decline. Right. There's less happening abroad, so maybe domestic needs for OCO or overseas contingency operations will take over. We're certainly seeing with what the president wants to do with his emergency declaration and some of the areas he's pulling money in from, from the military construction budget and from DOD counter-drug programs, that could eventually become part of the OCO debate as well. Um, one of the pressures also on domestic spending is the VA because of the way they're budgeting for con- community care programs going forward. That has to come from somewhere in the discretionary budget, which means pressure on other programs to keep within that top line. So a number of dynamics, and we were so focused on 19 which is almost half over at this point. But 2020 budgeting isn't going to be any easier. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. A good story helps us understand the world and how to make it better. That idea drives what we do on the Daily News podcast, Post Reports. We bring you stories that empower people. You know this is a fraud, right? Why are you calling people doing this? And that hold powerful people accountable. Wait, you did what? We had to sue your office twice to get our hands on these documents. My name is Martine Powers. I co-host the show. Take the trusted reporting of The Washington Post wherever you go. Follow and listen to Post Reports. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.